Welcome to Talking Tourism, the podcast series created specifically for tourism operators. Talking Tourism, the expert series, is the ultimate resource for business owners who want to lift their skills to the next level. If you want to learn how to be a better tourism operator, listen on. This is Talking Tourism, and I'm today's host, David Reid. Every fortnight, the Tourism Industry Council Tasmania are going to be bringing you conversations with the brightest minds in the tourism industry. TICT is the peak body for tourism operators in this beautiful state of Tasmania. Each episode of Talking Tourism will deal with a specific tourism-related topic with advice and tips for improving your tourism business and getting ahead in the visitor economy. You might be listening to this outside of Tasmania, and if so, welcome. The content of these podcasts will be relevant for your tourism business wherever you are based. And today, I'm speaking with Lani Davies. Hello, David. Good afternoon. How are you? Very well, thank you. That's good. You've said, truly engaging experiences can provide heartfelt connections to Tasmania, positive business outcomes, and ultimately visitors that are truly inspired. And they are lofty ideals indeed. But how do we as tourism people really engage and inspire these visitors? And during this podcast, we're going to discuss some simple approaches that we can adopt to really connect with our visitors. So, Lani, welcome. Thank and, you. And give us a brief history about your guiding. Yeah, sure. So, look, I've had a, a long history in the tourism industry. I've worked in this uh, fabulous industry in Tasmania for 29 years and um, I started out working at uh, Tourism Tasmania as a con- travel consultant and then I moved on to guiding with uh, Tasmanian Expeditions and Cradle Mountain Huts and the Bay of Fires Walk. And, you know, the, it was all in the, uh, in the 90s, so, you know, the, the industry has progressed lo- quite a lot since then. Um, and I currently coordinate and teach in the Adventure Tour Guiding Program at TASTAFE, where we equip students with the knowledge, skills and ability to become professional tour guides. And um, all these roles, I guess, have further enhanced my broad knowledge base of the industry and consolidated my desire for future growth and, um, you know, for the benefit of all Tasmanians. Again, lofty ideals. <laughs> um, so, look... I really believe that exceptional customer service has less to do with being nice uh, than it does with having that really positive attitude and also that genuine desire to help others uh, by providing honest information, solutions and really connecting with your visitors. But I guess um, lots of people may ask, well, how can we truly connect with with the visitors that uh, come into our businesses? And it's... um, it's really important to have uh, a comprehensive local knowledge and lots of facts and figures in our heads. I've always been a, a true believer in how we actually make our visitors feel. Um, you know, just simple things like asking them questions and being really engaged in them. Um, they really respond to that. And they also actually really care about you. They want to know about you and your life and what it's like to live here in Tasmania and they actually draw contrast to their life and where they live. So by reaching out and sharing some of uh, your local stories and all the things that you love about living here really enables your visitor to unfurl and I think to further engage with you and your special place. So nowadays being Tasmania is actually quite trendy. It certainly is, yes. As opposed to some years ago when we were a backwater, now we're right up there. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's a hot spot. 
and uh, a lot of people are really interested in Tasmania and, you know, we're seeing that in the visitor, visitor numbers. Obviously, it's a burgeoning industry. So it is a very unique place that we live in. So if you want to engage with our lovely visitors and what are your key tips about how, if, if for example, I'm just serving some coffee down at Salamanca and what our discussion about now is how do we engage these people in conversations and, and improve their experiences, give me some tips and helps and, and, and helping some ideas about how that might work. Um, yeah, so it certainly can be challenging in, in, uh, in any aspects of our roles, especially when we've got de- demanding tasks and it's really busy. But I think there's um, just really simple um, things that we can do to, to help with that engagement. So using people's names is a really fantastic way to engage with someone. Right. People love to have their names used and actually makes them feel really important. So if you're serving coffee, coffee perhaps you've asked their name uh, for when they come to collect it and then you can use that name again and it's just uh it makes people feel you know quite important that you've taken that tiny little bit of energy to remember their name so that is one uh one way i think acknowledgement and eye contact is is another way and and just going that little step further it might just only take you a couple of extra seconds in your day but it makes that person feel really uh i guess valued in in your establishment regardless of where you work One of the things that you sent me to read before we had this interview was a series of 10 tips about how to have a good conversation with someone from a lady by the name of Celeste Headley. Is that correct? That's right. Uh, Do you want to go through those with me, Lani? Because I found them really interesting. Yeah, look, not sure if people have seen it, but it's actually a, a fantastic TED Talk. And Celeste Headley is a, a radio show talkback host um, in the States and she's been doing that for a long time and her TED Talk is called 10 Ways to Have a Better Conversation. And uh, look, her, her uh, real aspect is, um, you know, when, when your job hinges on how well you talk to people, you learn a lot about how to have a good conversation and um, and she has 10 useful rules for having better conversations. So her uh, advice is go out, talk to people and listen to people. So, and, and most importantly, be prepared to be amazed. So everyone has a story, don't they, when, they, when any, anyone in life has a story and people are coming to Tasmania from all walks of life. So it's being amazed by our visitors as much as they are being amazed by Tasmania. So her uh, top 10 basic rules include don't multitask. So, you know, all the phones that we love to uh, use very regularly, just put those aside when we're engaging with guests. Uh, Don't pontificate. So if you want to state your opinion without any opportunity for response, um, maybe as she suggests, write a blog. So it's all about, you know, just being really open to people's views. Um, The third one was using open-ended questions. So start those questions that you want to ask your guests with who, what, where, why or how and let them describe it because they're the ones that know it. Um, And that's when we can be amazed by some of their answers. Um, Number four was going with the flow. So thoughts sometimes come into our head and 
Fascinatingly, we can actually listen to up to 540 words per minute, but we can only speak at around 240 words per minute. So we tend to fill in the gaps with what's for dinner or (laughs) what tour have I got next coming up. So I guess to really be in that present moment. Number five is a really important one and sometimes we're, we're a little bit hesitant to admit it. But if you don't know, say that you don't know and really err on the side of caution. Always, you know, be honest and say you're actually not sure but you're happy to follow up and find out for, you, for them. Um, and that just really provides an authentic experience rather than you trying to make up some long-winded story that lacks uh, authenticity. Uh, the last, sorry, number seven is try not to repeat yourself. So once again, be being really succinct and um, and to the point. Number eight is staying out of the weeds. So frankly, uh, Celeste Headley has stated that people don't care about the years, the names and the dates and all those details that we're trying to keep in our minds. But what they do care about is you. And I've really experienced that. People really just love to find out about you and about your life here in Tasmania and how it contrasts and compares to their life. And, you know, might, they might be here from Hong Kong and they're just drawing uh, contrast to their life all the time with our fresh air and our beautiful open spaces. So they really just want to know about you. And I also really feel that whilst we're trying to keep all those facts and figures in our heads to share that with guests, it's about actually how we make them feel. And, you know, through engagement and all the things we've talked about so far, it really is about making them feel valued. Number nine is a really important one, and it's listening. So um, Celeste um, has a a big importance on um, listening in her um, TED Talk, it's it's one of those components that a lot of people, you know, we could probably all be better listeners. So so as she's quoted, no man has ever listened his way out of a job. And if your mouth is open, you're not learning. The thing that I uh, love about this is um, Stephen Covey said uh, very beautifully, he said, most of us don't listen with the intent to understand. We listen with the intent to reply. Okay. And that is, that is an absolute classic, it's isn't a, it? It's a perler. He, he was yeah. the man that uh, wrote the, the five basic rules to business success or words to that effect, wasn't it? I believe so, yeah. 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 Brilliant. And it is brilliant because we often, you know, when we're talking, we're in control. When we're, when we're talking, we, we've kind of got the floor. But it's um, sort of keeping our mouth shut. And as she said prior to, in the TED Talk, it's being prepared to be amazed by what, what uh, we learn. And as, as I said before, David, everyone has a story. So, And the last one is to be brief. So just... Yeah, be succinct, really. So, yeah, that's um, that's Celeste Headley's um, 10 ways to have a better conversation. And I show this TED Talk to my students a lot and I see it every year, but every time I watch it, I, I get something new out of it. So it's really valuable. So you're not going to quote number 10 verbatim, <laughs> which was that a good conversation is just like a miniskirt, short enough to retain interest but long enough to cover the subject. That's Very right. Clever. That's Very right. Very good indeed. Yes. So that's that's been um, interesting topics about how to have conversations and engage with people. Okay, Lani, now I want you to start thinking about this sense of place that you've been discussing recently with me about 
what is this um, uh, what is this sense of place how, how do you how are you able to manifest a sense of place within our visitors how does that occur yeah look thank you david so a sense of place is um, is really uh, the notion that people come to Tasmania, they, they might have researched it, they've looked on the Discover Tasmania website, they've talked to their friends that have been here and they've got some notion of what their expectations are when they arrive. Um, they might be, you know, walking across to Wineglass Bay and have seen lots and lots of pictures. So a, a sense of place is really the creating memory of how a place makes a, a you know, people feel when they come to these places. So obviously Tasmania has so many examples of, you know, absolute uh, mind-blowing beauty, whether it's just the Three Capes Walk or Wineglass Bay or standing on Dove Lake. Um, and it's a lot of it is that awe-inspiring scenery. So it really is um, – it's memory-making stuff. So it, it could be uh, an example where a couple of – have always really dreamed about walking along the overland track, but in their social circles, none of their friends are really bushwalkers. They're not really um, – they don't really know what kind of gear they have to have. Um, they've never really bushwalked before. So they look to, you know, all the fabulous examples of, um, of, of bushwalking companies like the Mariah Island Walk – the Tasmanian Walking Company, Tasmanian Expeditions. There's so many great examples here in Tasmania in nature-based tourism. And it's that real niche market where they provide all the skill and expertise for people uh, like the the, um, the the couple that I just mentioned that don't really know how to do it. They're really interested in doing it, uh, but that gives them the medium to um, explore these places. So the couple have done some training, they've, they've saved up, they've booked their trip, and then the day comes. And there's, you know, there can be quite a lot of anticipation and anxiety, what, what have I done? And often it's a, a, a partner that wants to do it and the other partner's kind of, kind of not dragging their feet. But <laughs> Will I make it to the end? Yeah, Am yeah I that's get there? right. It could be his idea or her idea. But Am I fit enough? Yeah, exactly. All those questions go through their minds and that, then they, they meet their guides uh, and then they head off. And it can be quite overwhelming in regards to, you know, there's lots of layers of complexity before a, a trip starts. Am I going to keep up with the group? Am I going to like the rest of the group members? What's the guides going to be like? Are they going to feed me? So, um, you know, what kind of food am I going to drink? Can I still have a wine at the end of the day? So there's a lot of queries before. Um, but so then they do, um, they, they start on their walk and, and they just, um, you know, they probably find the first couple of days quite challenging. Um, but then as the days, you know, continue on, they get into their groove and they're feeling like a, an amazing sense of achievement of actually putting themselves out of their comfort zone and um, booking onto one of these trips. And, you know, they might climb Mount Osler if they're lucky enough or, you know, and by the end of the trip they have a great sense of achievement of, um, of actually... Um, yeah, achieving something that they probably thought wasn't possible, um, you know, maybe a year before. And this is, the, this is the thing that I'm referring to as sense of place. They have a very, very positive experience and as such they've fallen in love with the Overland Track and the World Heritage Area that they've walked through. And that in itself really inspires our visitors to maybe think about coming back to Tasmania and doing another walk. You know, they might want to come and do Mariah Island Walk the next year. 
Um, so it's they've connected through their guides and through the other guests on a trip with that place. So it's um, you know it's that braggability factor. They've probably posted photos on Instagram. They've put their posts up on Facebook um, at their dinner parties back in Sydney. They'll be sort of bragging about the the walk that they did, and you know they these people can be real social influences in their, in their social um, circle. And so it's that positive word of mouth. So the Overland track you've just mentioned, and I know you have a very special affinity for our World Heritage Area, and we noticed the passing of Bob Hawke, who was instrumental in the extraordinary legislation that was passed in the 80s about protecting this very important part of the world. Absolutely. And... I noticed in some reading material of yours this morning that there are some very interesting facts and figures about this, which, yeah, would you like to explain some of those to us, please? Yeah, sure. Thanks, David. So, yes, you know, having worked uh, in these areas for a long time, I do have a a strong affinity and love for these places. And and growing up on a property in Hagley, you know, I grew up with, you know, mountains in my backyard, really, and I just thought that that was kind of normal. <laughs> but obviously when you when you go travelling and you go further afield, you realise it's not normal and it's it's not normal to grow up with the World Heritage Area in your in your back background. And and I think a lot of a lot of Tasmanians tend to not really understand or grasp the importance of the World Heritage Area. Um, look, so basically um, the Tasmanian Wilderness World Heritage Area is really one of the largest conservation reserves in Australia and it's uh, it covers around 1.4 million hectares or about 20% of the island of Tasmania, which is a huge amount of land tenure. And uh, it conserves a, a really uh, an amazing array of both natural and cultural heritage features of outstanding global significance. And I think that's, that in itself is is worth celebrating. And, and it's really accessible in a, a lot of, you know, in a lot of regions of Tasmania. So uh, obviously the, the uh, Cradle Mountain, Lake St. Clair National Park, the southwest, um, and, you know, in, in so many places it's very accessible. You know, Tasmanians are, are so incredibly lucky to, to be able to access these places. And whether it's um, for me, you know, I take my kids up to the Mount Wellington Reserve, you know, very regularly or out to Mount Field, but it's really accessible. And um, to have, you know, a place that's uh, regarded as outstanding universal value on our doorstep is is second to none. And the fact that our guests, you know, a lot of our uh, visitors turn in turn up to Hobart on a cruise ship, they're on a bus and straight out to Mount Field and they're standing in these amazing forests that would be quite unique for them. So the access and also the the importance of looking after these places, you know, is really what I'm 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 uh, obviously care a lot about and passionate. Passionate, yeah. Passion's the main thing, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> um, I wonder how many Tasmanians uh, understand what you understand, acknowledge those interesting facts, but also rejoice in that having um, so twenty percent of our landmass recognised for its universal values around the world by the World Heritage Organisation. I mean, it's extraordinary, isn't it? It is extraordinary. Are we yeah. the only place in the planet with such an amount 
locked away like that? Look, I'm not exactly sure. Uh, experts in parks and wildlife will be able to quote on that. But um, with regard to, you know, most World Heritage Area sites around the world, uh, it could be a cathedral in a, in a large European city or or something like that. But it's, um, yeah, it's, a, it's a very, it's a huge amount of land. And um, it's, it's one that uh, I, I really think that all Tasmanians should share in the celebration that we do have it here. We've been talking about making memories. Mm. Um, I want to uh, finish up by discussing with you some of the uh, assistance and tips that you know that are available to operators and uh, and um, and people in the tourism industry. How they might improve their game, how they might learn about this, how they might get further further information. Yeah, great. There's some really fantastic resources. And look, the Parks and Wildlife Service website is a is a treasure trove of uh, incredible uh, resources. So they have these um, fantastic um, one page flyers and on and any type of um, on any content that you can um, you know, think of. So, for example, endangered species or uh, current threats to national parks or particular national parks, they have fact sheets. So any tourism operators and staff that work in the industry can print these off and they're easy to read, they're uh, great for staff training if you've got new staff coming on board and it actually enables us to, to really learn a lot more about our backyard that when we grow up in these places we tend to take it for granted but it's not until we see our visitors coming here and raving about it we sort of think, oh, actually we really do live in a special space and a special place. So um, the more knowledge that we have, I think, about um, our, our, um, our backyard and all of our um, features of Tasmania really um, put us in, in a good situation to further promote Tasmania. Lani, you're currently... A Taz TAFE, as we said, how do you describe your course in terms of hard skills and soft skills? So presumably hard skills are like cooking, first aid, how do I survive out there, navigation, all those things. And then there are those soft skills, storytelling, yeah, good. making memories. Yeah, so how do you describe your course? Yeah, so look, we run a an adventure tour guiding course and we have done for a very long time and it's a really highly regarded course in Tasmania and beyond. Um, the benefit of the program is that we have such close industry partnerships. So, so many of our graduates actually end up working for a lot of the multi-day bushwalks in Tasmania and then they go and work up in Northern Territory in our wintertime and then return back to Tasmania. But look, the course uh, provides the skills and knowledge and um, assistance for our graduates to to walk out of here with really well-rounded skill sets. So, you mentioned catering. So, Cooking and food in the outdoors is is key part to any experiences. So we um, we do have a big focus on on catering, outdoor catering. Um, we also have a, a lot of um, a lot of focus in the course on the soft skills, as you mentioned, David. And soft skills is is all about that engagement. I've talked about this uh, prior to in this podcast, and it's all about um, you know being able to to um, 
to provide really great customer service to, with your guests. And, and another big component of uh, the course, David, is we teach uh, all of our students um, the real value of, of um, Tasmania's uh, natural and cultural heritage values. Um, they learn the bird calls. They learn about all of our fabulous endemic birds and our geomorphology. We teach our students about uh, the first Tasmanians and Tasmanian Aboriginal community and how it's still thriving today. And there's a real focus in the program too about interpretation and how we actually share all those amazing facts and figures with our guests in a really informative way in the future. Um, we have uh, our activity streams of bushwalking, so we go on the overland track and we're off to the bar fires in a couple of weeks with our students. I've got uh, one of my student groups down at uh, Eagle Hawk Neck and, um, sorry, at Fortescue Bay sea kayaking this week, and we also do cycle touring and mountain biking. So all of, the, all of those uh, growth areas in the industry, that's what the course focuses on. Is there an age limit to recruiting? No. I'm very excited. <laughs> no, not at all. We actually have a really uh, diverse age uh, group and so it ranges in uh, from ages up to – from 18 right up to 40s or 50s. So it's never too, never too late, David. Lani, thank you so much for spending your time with us today. Are there a couple of quick tips you want to give as a wrap to finish up this conversation this afternoon? I think from my personal, um, you know, you know, looking back on my career, I've really felt that for me, I just love being an advocate for Tasmania. And I think anyone that works in this industry, whether they're directly involved with clients and visitors or indirectly, you know, we have an amazing opportunity to, to really showcase our home and to be an advocate for Tasmania and really, really show it off because people are coming here to, to have a look at it at how beautiful it is. So I think that's my thing, just to, to be really proud of where we live. And Lani, if someone wants to get hold of you, what's the best way of doing that? They can contact me at Drysdale Institute, so at TASTAFE. They just look it up, the yep. way they go. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to Talking Tourism podcast series, the first ever podcast. I hope you got lots of value out of our conversation today with Lani. To download any of the notes and links to everything that was mentioned today, you can visit www.tict.com.au and check out our other podcasts there too. Remember, a new podcast will be uploaded every fortnight on a different topic, so please keep coming back. If you enjoyed today's podcast, tell your tourism colleagues to take a listen as well. Thanks for listening. We'll be back in a fortnight. You've been listening to Talking Tourism, brought to you by Tourism Industry Council Tasmania. For show notes, other materials and episodes, head to tict.com.au. Be sure to come back every fortnight for a new instalment of Talking Tourism.